I'm Kelly Hunter alongside my good friend Chris Stewart and we would like to welcome you into the first episode of Respect the Process where we'll be talking right now about Alabama football but on down the road basketball baseball because no one has a better seat in the house than you do. I'm glad you said it that way and I appreciate <laughs> it. First of all I appreciate the fact that we get a chance to work together after being friends for so long. But, uh, yeah, some people say, nobody knows more. And I go, oh, there's somebody I could give you to know more. But you're right. Nobody has a better seat in the house all I, these years than I've had. I do it all the time. I'm, I follow a lot of people who are the voices of different organizations. And on Instagram, they post a picture from the booth. And I, I will always say, I hope you never get over yeah. when you walk in and you see the field from your perspective, whatever yeah. sport or court, whatever you're covering. Yeah, it, it really is neat. Um, I always go back on that to my first game ever for Alabama basketball. And I think I've told you the story. It was like 20, yeah, 21 years ago now uh, from Fairfield. Had never been to New York in my life. <laughs> and I walk into Madison Square Garden <laughs> to do preseason number eight Alabama, preseason number three Oklahoma. And yeah. uh, we were game two of a doubleheader. It was Memphis with Calipari. Um, Syracuse with Jim Boeheim. Wow, some big names in the building. Yeah, and Carmelo Anthony and I debuted at the Garden on the same night. But it was oh Dave Wolosian, who was the voice of the Memphis Tigers, knew me. I had gotten the job late, and Wolo does a triple take just before tip-off and literally yanks the headset off to move the microphone away. And he goes, Chris, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I said, Dave, I'm the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and I'm as stunned by that fact as you are. <laughs> so... From that moment, there have been several others, uh -huh. but that one, there's been none bigger than that one where I've walked in and gone, holy cow, I'm sitting courtside yeah. there at the world's most famous arena, but many other places that are huge as well, and it's, it's not a blessing. A crisis, it's not a crisis of confidence or faith, but it's more of, how did I get here? Yeah. And, wow, because it is, it's like when people are like, oh, you, you know more about the Braves than anybody. I'm like, there's so many more people. Yeah. I'm like... I know a lot, but not, and, and also what people don't understand is, yes, you know a lot, but you are also able to not get caught up in the moment because you have to keep going. Yeah. No matter how big something once, what, how, no matter how big something is, you've got to be ready to call the next play. Yeah, you're right. Um, I can absolutely, and as anybody that's ever heard me can attest to, I have no problems disagreeing with a call that's made yes. because, again, I'm, I'm seeing it from the Bama perspective. Right. You're the I, voice I, of Alabama football, basketball. And I can separate it when I'm doing a neutral broadcast mm -hmm. and I, I don't care about the outcome, yeah. who wins, whatever. I see it through a different lens. But when, when the outcome affects your income, and the reality is <laughs> yeah. the more games we win, the more games I get to call, the more yeah, money I make. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it matters. But it's also with Alabama, it's somebody that I've been a fan of virtually my entire life. So how did you get, so. how, what, did you, what, what did you first, did you start calling high school football? When did you start calling games? The very first game that I called was first true broadcast I ever okay. did. I was a student at Montevallo. Okay. 1988, fall of 88, I'm doing Alabama basketball, or excuse me, Montevallo basketball yeah. on campus TV. From there, I wound up doing high school games mm -hmm. as well. Um, after that, after college, did some more high school games for the Alabama Cable Network, mm -hmm. AC and Sports. Yep. Uh, Don Early giving me several opportunities that were great for me. 
Birmingham Southern on the radio. I did some UAB games on radio mm -hmm. as well. But then ACN got the rights to do Alabama games on a delayed basis. Okay. I remember. Yep. And, and so I started doing, being involved with the Alabama games. Did some others as well. I did a, <laughs> I did a baseball regional uh, at Auburn one year in their SID for baseball mm -hmm. at the time. Took me to eat the night before, and that guy now is the AD at Florida, Scott Strickland. Yeah. I mean, you know, relationships we make earlier in our careers and uh, people like that. But it was from there that I got in the door to do Alabama baseball on radio yeah. with David Crane. Mm -hmm. Three years later, I was given the men's basketball job, and we're now 21 years removed from that. Yeah. I've done 21 seasons. Most difficult sport Hoots. to call, uh, in your opinion. Everything is such For a different me, pace. It does, and that's the key. You know, uh, two of the more challenging ones that I would say, beyond basketball yeah. and its its tempo and all that, but football, especially now with the hurry up mm -hmm. and trying, it's not so much describing the action that makes it tough. The, to me, the real challenge, especially on radio, mm -hmm. is describing what you see. In trying to give time to work in your analyst right. as exactly. well. Because TV and radio are different. I mean, we I don't have to describe everything on television. Exactly. And it's not that my role is more important than the color analyst on radio. It's just that I have to paint the picture. Mm -hmm. If I don't, their analysis has no context. Right. So that's why the radio part, and especially with the hurry up, trying to work in yeah. The analyst, that's a big challenge right now. So that makes it tough. Um, well, because you provide structure. You provide structure yeah. that the analyst that can then, obviously, they bring the color to it. Sure. Um, and baseball being a totally different element because the pace is a lot slower and right. you do want to create some natural sound. What I've always loved about radio people, um, because I grew up listening to the Braves, they would do such a good job, especially when they did TV. You could walk around the house and still listen to them yeah. as if they called a radio right. game. I agree. Um, and you get to be a part of so many iconic memories for people. Sure. I think last year, I think I, I messaged you after the Texas A&M game you when did. you said, zero's on the clock, let's get out of here. And I think I was like, that's your new tagline. Because it was, I, and I don't know if you think of some of these things before as you're getting ready to prep for a game that you're like, I may have an opportunity to work something in, or if you have any idea of that was it. that was 100 percent in the moment. Oh, it, it had to have been because um, it is so funny. I cannot tell you how many people because it's you don't know what's going to resonate with people and what they'll latch on to. Mm -hmm. For me, there are some people that probably do, but for me. I don't script it. I don't plan it. There's one or two things, Max, that I think I've probably done and thought going into a game. If it happens, mm -hmm. I may want to use this. But um, I think also if you know that, and if if a um, if someone was getting ready to exceed X amount of yards, or they were getting exactly. ready to set, set set some record, you kind of have that in the back of your mind of how you're going to work that in. You're exactly right. Um, but normally, and to me, it's part of. It's part of the magic of radio yeah. and the thrill of doing these things is that I like to catch it in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I want it to be natural. I want it to be off the cuff. And in that one in particular with with Texas A&M, you know, 
let's get out of here. Yeah. Because I felt like we stole something. Oh, yeah. You know, we didn't play great. Before they have time to look at this, Before, or, let's you get know, out of here. Let's, you know, let's get out of here. Um, the reason that, it, or one of the things that makes it so cool is I cannot tell you how many people have come up to me since that game and said, let's get out yeah. of here. And want me to do that, like request for me <laughs> I need this to on my use voice that, yeah. request me to do that in a game. Mm -hmm. And I, I've worked it in a couple of times for basketball, I think, since. Um, but, it, again, I've, I've only one time really said that. Yeah. Um, I did say at the Texas game last year, let's get out of Dodge. Yeah. Because it, it kind of fit with the Western motif, if you will, of playing it. At Texas, but that was one that, you know, we we got oh. out of there pretty fortunate as well without the kick yeah. late from Will. Then that doesn't happen. But the one that, for me, and you talk about those moments, there was a, uh, I get asked about favorite call. And mm -hmm. one of my favorites, it didn't result in a championship or anything, but Alabama beat Georgia in a regular season basketball game when Trevor Ellerford was a point guard. Okay, yeah. It was the one hundred it was the final home game of the year. Mm -hmm. One hundred seasons of Alabama basketball. Yep. We we commemorated it all throughout the year, but there was a big celebration. There's gonna be a uh, party afterwards where all the former coaches had been invited, players, they'd been recognized at halftime. CM was still alive, Wimp was there. It was a big deal. Yeah. And Alabama was still alive in the NCAA tournament. Hunt mm -hmm. at that point, Anthony Grant's coaching. And if you lose, you got no shot. Right. And we led this game by 20 points early in the second half. Now all of a sudden, Georgia's got the ball, tie game, eight seconds to go. And everybody felt like it's over. Uh, here they go, they're going to score mm -hmm. a wolf. Charles Mann loses possession of the basketball on the way in. Trevor Ellerford winds up with it in his hands, launches the most beautiful three-quarter court shot that I've ever seen, mm -hmm. and it left his hands. The whole place goes quiet. It's spinning perfectly, and it goes, it's nothing but net, mm -hmm. and the place sounded like it had exploded. Yeah. It was so loud, and I, I was loud like everybody else. But as I am truly standing up, which doesn't happen very much, that you stand up in yeah. the moment of making a call, I stand up, and I look, and I see the official walking towards the monitor. And I had said something along the lines, it found nothing but the bottom of the sack. And I look, and I just got deflated. And I went to my seat, and I said it as I go down, oh, oh, don't you dare wipe that off. <laughs> and one of the funniest things ever, my, my now freshman at the University uh -huh. of Alabama was about a seven-year-old when that happened. And he's at basketball camp that summer. And he does my entire call <laughs> for Anthony Grant. And Anthony's eyes got oh, so big fine. and he laughed so hard because he delivered the line perfectly. 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 Better than I did. That but it is was funny. don't you dare wipe that off. But those are things that you have no part in as a play by play announcer. There's no way to plan those. Yeah. You certainly can't control the outcome. You can only hope you do it justice. In the moment. Right. And thankfully, hopefully, that's what I did. But what's funny is, you know, you talk about in the moment, but you do so much prep work ahead of time. 
to get ready for these games. Well, you give me more credit than I deserve. No, 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 because especially teams, I would think, like, when you're playing the Middle Tennessee State, when, yeah, and you're you going to be and you're going to be calling the South Florida game, right. th- these aren't necessarily athletes we're familiar with because sure. the, they're not in the SEC. So typically, when because this is kind of going back to last week, when do you get the depth chart of who you need to be working on? Because last week that uh, was a big issue. Yeah, I was privy to what that was going to yeah. look like because it allowed me to to get the info. Yeah. To the people that actually build the spotting chart for me, right. there's a company that builds it for Eli and I. Now, Eli goes very detailed in his notes. They provide so much to me. Yeah. That. But you. you know, but it's, it's information that you, you have need. to study. Yeah. You've got to have it. You're exactly right. And by the time I play, you know, we play South Florida, I will have as much committed to memory as I can. Right. And you'll really study it. But yeah, for for these type games, I normally will. Maybe it's it's usually on Monday. Yeah. So what are usually you doing right now? Because you and Eli are splitting the season. Correct. Uh, Eli's back in the booth for the home games. Right. You're going to be uh, handling the road games. So right. what are you doing right now during the games? <laughs> enjoying life. Enjoying, enjoying the games? Which yeah. was so bizarre. Um, I interview coach pregame. I get mm-hmm. Nick Saban pregame still, and that's for every game. I'm, I'm getting him mm-hmm. uh, in the locker room before each ball game, home and road. And... Um, we record that, and then I'm free. I don't have anything I enjoy. It was the first time I had been on the field uh, pregame, mm-hmm. especially for that length of time, in about six years. When I had my stroke five and a half years ago, mm-hmm. I, the year after that, the season after that, uh, I became the broadcast host. Mm-hmm. We brought Rashad Johnson in yep. to do sidelines. I went to the booth with, with Eli and John Parker at that time. And so I wasn't on the field. And I, I had forgotten until Saturday how much I enjoyed that. Yeah. Because all the coaches from the different sports for home games have recruits down on the field before the yeah. games. Oh, yeah. And I get the chance to see those people, you know, uh, especially basketball and baseball mm-hmm. that I work so closely with. You get a chance to say hello and visit. Yeah. Um, a little more relaxed. I mean, they're working. They've got recruits. But everybody's in a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a it's a fun thing. Exactly. It's such a big event. It's opening the opening game, yeah. and so everybody's a, in a good mood, and, and it's a good atmosphere. And had a really good time just being around that. Watched the first two series, uh, then went up to the the booth yeah. with uh, Jim Carabin, my boss. Not the broadcast booth, but the CTSN Skybox. Nice. And there's food and yeah. beverages up there, and I did not partake in anything that well. would. Involve me being impeded to the uh, post-game interview with Coach. Well, that's I was but gonna, I had they they do have that okay. available, and I resisted any temptation. And that's just, impressive. Just had water and that's impressive. Chowed down on the food and enjoyed it, and then when the game was over, I went to wait on Coach and do the post-game show. So you TV how, show. How far? How many? How long after the game do y'all record that show? You know, it's uh, on the on the road. Coach talks to the team. Mm-hmm. He will talk to the media, and then he will come out on the field mm-hmm. uh, unless we lose and they storm the field. Uh, that that means you have to find another broadcast <laughs> spot. But if we win, as normally happens, we do it on the field after okay. the game. So it's fairly quick there because he's ready to get back to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Home games, it's a different deal. Saturday, you know, we'll play at 6 o'clock. The game will end. He'll talk to the team. He'll talk to the medical staff. 
This is something really neat that he does, home or road. Nick Saban goes to every kid's locker, a win or a loss. He goes to every kid's locker and shakes every kid's hand. Nice. Every player. Nice. Um, so he'll talk to the team. He'll shake hands. He'll come back, talk to the medical staff. Then he'll go and talk to the media. Mm -hmm. He will then go into the recruiting room on home games. Yeah. Do you sit in on the meet, uh, on the post-game press conference? Or do I do you? not. Okay. I do not. I will try to watch it on yeah. my phone, listen to it um, if it's where I can. Mm -hmm. So I've got like, kind of a feel, yeah. obviously, for what he's already said and what the mood may be. Uh, but then he goes and talks to all those recruits and their families, and then he'll come up to the studios for Crimson Tide Productions. Yeah. And there's a format, and my, if you've ever seen the show, you know it's it's not intensive from a from my standpoint. No, but you do, you do a good job of leaving open-ended questions because you ask him a question and you give him room to not. I mean, you don't ask very specific and direct questions. You well, give him an opportunity to just kind of talk. And you know this, you understand. I'm not a journalist in that role. No. I am. That is a that is his TV show, mm -hmm. where he is wanting to deliver his message. Yeah. So, make no apologies. I feel like it's my role to put it on a tee for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there may be an occasion where I'll ask a direct question, but it's usually the way it's formatted for him to share his thoughts. On different things, so it's not a. Ma I'm not trying to win a broadcast journalism right. award. You know, if you're in a post game when you're in television on a regular basis and you're working for ABC affiliate, you've got some direct yeah, questions yeah. you want to go with. And very that's your too. job. Yeah, exactly. But that's your job. For me, we're almost a PR wing, right. a oh, PR yeah. arm. For the football program, so it's for him and for the fans. That's exactly yeah, yeah. right. So you're right. It's if you're listening, very rarely do I ask a question. I will semi make a statement that yeah. that leaves it where he can take it the direction he wants to go, but it leads us into our next segment or right. highlights or whatever it is. So yeah, it's very it's very open ended, but it's it's what that format is supposed to be. I'm guessing. Do you gauge his mood? Or is it typically? You know, you know it's, it's very quick and to the point. Yeah, he's professional about it. And it's, he yeah. is, and he understands. But, man, to tell you what, some of those shows now, when last year in Knoxville was a prime example, in a perfect world you win, and we have done that a bunch yeah. in that game. And you're down on the field, and most of their fans are gone by the end of the third quarter, and it's a piece of cake to get out and do the show and everybody's gone and, and you just have a really easy mm -hmm. show. That one's not. Right. Not only did they storm the field, the fans that aren't going to the field are all getting out and they're in a great mood and I am swimming upstream yeah. trying to get from the press box down to the locker room because I know we're not going to the field. Yeah. And there's no way because visiting locker rooms are not very large. Mm -hmm. Guys are trying to get ready. We're trying to find, I say we, the, the staff at yeah. CTP does a great job of trying to make that work. Uh, but but they're finding a spot outside the locker room. Mm -hmm. And you've got still their fans on the walkway mm. that are yelling yeah. at you if they can see and making noise <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like in combat, yeah. to be oh, honest. It's, I'm it's, not making a no, shot you're in hostile territory. You are, yeah. and it's, it's the closest, I pray, that I'll ever know right. what combat's like trying to get there and then setting up to do it 
and you know there's tight quarters and we're trying to do it as quick as we can because nobody wants to be nobody there. wants no, to nobody wants, wants to, to rehash yeah. that and they've got to get to the plane and get the heck out yeah. of there and it, it's not total chaos but it's close i know i explain so, to people that like it, when they talk about it, you went in the locker rooms i'm like yeah i went in the locker rooms but you know what Everybody wants to go home at that point. It's Nobody's miserable. lingering around. Mm. Everybody's ready, ready to leave. Yeah. Um, okay, so looking back at last last week real quick, uh, Jalen Milrow came out, uh, played a solid game. Yeah. Oh, played a solid half. Sure. Five touchdowns, which I didn't realize was a record until we found out afterwards. Yeah. But do, from what you see of him, is he exhibiting QB1? Here's the big, yes, is the short answer. The, the biggest stat of all in all of that wasn't, the completion percentage, it wasn't the touchdowns, the yardage, no turnovers. Yeah. That's the main thing you want to see right. him because the athletic ability, the, the ability to, to play the position and do the things that are necessary uh, to be a five-star, four-star, whichever he was, you know, one of the most sought-after guys in the yeah. country, that's obvious. Can he not make the mistakes that, that wind up hurting you? That was the mm-hmm. question mark. You know, even the snap that that went by him, the one bad snap that Seth Still made had, some magic happen. As he has his back to the goal line and is still chasing the football, I said, touchdown. I don't get many things right, but he's still chasing the football, going the opposite way. Hadn't yeah. picked it up yet, and I said, touchdown. Because he always seems to make a play, and he just did. Yeah. And But when you've got the deep ball called and you've got time to throw, can you step up? Pressure coming. Yeah. Can you put the pass on the money? And he did that. Yeah. Didn't put it on the deck. He took some big hits, mm-hmm. but he, he he didn't put it on the deck. He didn't throw it to the wrong color jersey. That's important. That's going to be tougher to do against Texas and right. some other teams. But he did that the right way in addition to making some really good plays on top of it. So I, I thought it was a great first week. For him, you score, you get out of the game to let some other guys play. Right. All of those things you look for, I thought you got in week one. Obviously not perfect, yeah. but it's not going to be. Nick Saban will find something. Right, and obviously when he grades, especially the defense, it looked pretty good. Two penalties, and that's, that's yeah. about as good as you can ask sure. for in an opening game. And as physically dominant as you would hope they would be. Yeah. Got pushed, challenged. You know, you don't want to see anybody drive down the field, but when they do, how do you respond? Um, you know, turn him away once and or, or more than once, and and minimal in terms of the scoring opportunities. So I, I thought it was a really good day. Would have preferred not to get some guys banged up. Yeah. You know, what does that look like this weekend? We don't know. Certainly, as you and I are talking now, don't know how that's going to play out. But they're in a better situation depth-wise than they've been, I think, in a while. Yeah. Especially on the defensive side. So. You hope they can overcome that. Right. Heard today that a couple of the, the questionable injuries they've been able to practice, which is obviously always a good Huge. sign. Yeah. Uh, and looking ahead, this is the marquee game this week. Number yeah. three, Alabama. Number 11, Texas coming in. Texas looking for revenge from last year. Right. Um, one of the funny things that we have started hearing about is where they're going to put the Texas band this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, because last year, we know that Alabama's band was placed... You know, closer to God, if you want to look at yes, it that way. Yes, exactly right. Uh, and this year we have heard that the Texas band and some of the Texas fans will be placed in the uh, upper portions of Bryant-Denny. I've, I've forgotten the exact quote 
from Greg Byrne, but it was outstanding uh, in that we're going something along the lines of we will be reciprocating uh, the location yeah. that Texas provided, which I think is very, very fair. It's You, you know, know, next year that'll change when they're in the league right. and their, their guidelines set up. It's proportional it's to what, exactly it's proportional right. to what, uh, how we mm-hmm. were treated. And so that's, that's what they're going to do. That's what they should do. And I think it's great. Some people that normally don't get seats as good mm-hmm. uh, as, as they will get Saturday will get a chance to enjoy it for exactly. a, a big game. And we'll see how strong the eyes of Texas are because they're going to have to sit a long way from the field. One thing we know with, with what we saw with the defense last week will serve them well hopefully this week because we know with Coach Sarkeesian what he's going to do. There's going to be some pre-snap motion. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of things. Defense is going to have to communicate with one another. Right. And they did a great job of that last week, but they're obviously going to be tested uh, at a much greater level this week with, sure. with Sarkeesian and his offense. Sark is very good, and I like him, and I'm glad to see him have success. And after this weekend, where I hope he has minimal success, right. I hope he has a lot the rest of the way. Um, I really do like and respect him. So uh, he's he's very good. He understands what Alabama likes to do defensively in terms of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Not that by now most people don't, but can you do anything with that right. knowledge? And I think he's closer personnel-wise than he's been at any other time in his tenure, even though last year was close. I think they're better personnel-wise this year than they were. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch, to see. Um, they miss B. John Robinson, right. as you would expect. No, Historically, yeah. great player for them. But I think they, they like their depth. They like what they can attack. Um, but their defense is probably saltier than it was last year. Yeah. And so that can create issues. And Alabama's going to have to establish some things in the run game, which I don't think they're afraid to try. Right. But they're going to have to take the top off the defense. Yeah, well, and, you know, last week against Middle Tennessee State, we're not going to see the playbook put wide open. No. Uh, obviously, with Milrow last week, it was getting his feet wet, letting yeah. him establish himself. You know, there were some RPOs. There were some chances to look downfield. He, he had a variety of things, but it was all pretty basic. And you have to assume that this next week we will really see what Milrow is able to do with yeah. his feet to the fire. I don't think there will be the design snap to the backfield to make him no, chase No, probably not. Down. I don't think that was that, the, no. You know, the... Uh, as we call it in the playground, jailbreak, right. would be uh, not the the same result against Texas maybe that it was MTSU, but you know, they're not going to hold anything back no. for the Texas game because you can't. you got to have you got to have everything available to you because that's how good Texas is. I, I'm excited about it. I think it'll be great. Hopefully we'll have weather similar to what we had last weekend, which was oh, awesome. Beautiful. Not being a 1,000 degrees yes. on the first weekend uh, was Terrific. As hot as I've ever been, probably was last year on the field in Texas. That, Not as hot as with it that was. That early kickoff, too. Yeah. yeah. When I was at AM in the uh, the year after Manziel and, and AM beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa, the return game mm-hmm. that next year was ridiculously hot. But I wasn't on the sidelines the whole game at Texas. I was up in the booth, of course. But when we did the TV show down on the field afterwards, artificial turf, oh, all that, I would set my iPad down for five minutes, and it shut off yeah. because it was so hot Done. down there. So not the same conditions, hopefully. No, person. and you, so you, your Saturday, obviously you are locked in on what you have to do, but 
and I know in the press box pregame they have other shows, other other mm -hmm. uh, games on. Last week there was no bigger team and no bigger name than with Colorado and Deion Sanders yeah. and what is going sure. on out there. Uh, I mean, he put a target on them as soon as he came. And last week, you have to look at him and say, I mean, I think all eyes are going to be on Colorado again this week, too. I don't disagree. You know, it, that's his personality. Absolutely, Which yes. it's always been. And I've heard people that, I knew people uh, that were very close to, to uh, Bobby Bowden. In fact, it's ironic. His uh, daughter was my PE teacher at University of Montevallo my oh, freshman funny. year. Yeah, Robin Robin Hines, <laughs> and she was, you know, she would tell me, she goes, you know, Dion and Primetime are two different people. Yeah. Dion is the sweetest guy in the world. Primetime is this character that he brings to the field, and I think Coach Prime probably falls in a similar category. Mm -hmm. He's 100% what they needed. Yeah. That program was dead. They didn't, nobody cared. There was no hope for it. He's Nothing. brought life to the conference. People no are going to watch those games now. No question. And people are now excited about the Big 12 being back in, Colorado being back in that league mm -hmm. in large measure because of him and his personality. But just like Prime, Primetime could talk, Primetime can play. Oh, Coach no Prime can talk. He's wearing a cowboy hat. He's doing all the stuff that garners a lot of flash bulbs and, and cameras and all this stuff. The man can coach, mm -hmm. and he built a roster, and his kid can play, and they got others that and can Travis play. And Travis Hunter, the, the show, he, he no is the Otani yeah. of, of college football. He is. It's unreal. And I've only seen highlights. I yeah. haven't watched them all the way through. But the fact that they're relevant, the fact that there's as much or more talk about Colorado than there is about Nebraska Without Again, question, we're, yeah. we're close in age, so we remember when Nebraska was yeah. Nebraska. But they have been Nebraska long time since since Osborne you, left. You, yeah. you and I were you and I were still young, uh, but it was a it's amazing what he's done there, mm -hmm. and can they sustain it? That's a question. But the fact that people will be watching, yeah, that that makes it far beyond what most anticipated for this program. He draws eyeballs, but once you watch, you realize just how good he is. Well, I am excited that we're going to be able to do this. Me too. Thank you. Every week we'll be here uh, respecting the process because, uh, if nothing else, it's a process. It's it is a process. indeed. It's a process. And um, so we will look for you pregame this week as well as postgame this week That's in right. Tuscaloosa. Pregame radio, postgame doing TV, and just, enjoying just, life in between. And then I'm in the booth doing play by play down in Tampa when we play South Florida. And it's going to be here before we know it. But it uh, uh, we are excited to have you. I can't let you leave here without giving everyone uh, what they need midweek. Uh, I, you know, you got to give them. It's not Saturday yet, but no. I do appreciate everybody watching and uh, allowing me to have a part of this platform with you in Roll Tide, everybody. For Chris Stewart, I'm Kelly Hunter. We will see you back here next week on Respect the Process.